Corlock's more than just a product line. I mean, it's that is Remington. So, so we'll adapt and do what we need to do going forward to to keep it going. Welcome to the Remington Podcast, where we take a deep dive into all things ammunition. I'm your host, Audrey Mays. Today we're jumping into Remington's bread and butter, the Corlocked cartridge. This bullet type has been around for almost 100 years, and for good reason. Today we have Head of Research and Development, John Langenfeld, Center Fire Product Manager, Chris Carson, and Research and Development Engineer, Ricky Buckmaster, to walk us through the history of Corlocked, why it stands out as an iconic cartridge, and the future of this killer bullet type. Let's dive in. So the first bullet, though, was a soft point. So people associate Corlock with two different bullet types, the point and soft point, and the soft point, which is soft point, rounded, domed type <laughs> bullet. If you remember back then, most... I'm not going to say most, but a lot of guns were lever, lever action type, tube fed, single shot, whatever. But uh, the soft point was the first bullet that Remington had under the Corlock name that fell into that category. And that was 39. That's what he's referring to on the catalog stuff. So, so the soft point was the 1939 product. And the pointed soft point didn't come around until the 50s, early 50s. Gotcha. And what, what exactly is core locked? What does that mean? So a core lock, the, the term core locked is a, associated with the way the lead core of the bullet and the jacket, the copper jacket, are mechanically locked together. That's where the term came from. So kind of educating ourselves before this, the, Bullets started changing, you know, early 1900s when guns were able to shoot faster based on propellants. So originally bullets were lead. When things started going faster, the lead started stripping down the barrels and affecting the barrels. So you got lead all gunked up in your barrel. So they went to a harder metal on the outside copper jackets so they could keep all that lead in the core in the in the jacket except instead of being exposed to the rifling so when they did that they had to figure out okay now we've got a cup that's keeping the lead from getting all over the rifling what do we need to do so the bullet will actually perform instead of just poke a hole in whatever it's shooting, whether it's an animal, a target, whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's when these guys, 100 plus years ago, nearly, came up with the core-locked Remington bullet. So it would not just A, poke holes, but B, function on target. Or blow up completely. Or, yeah. You know, where you'd lose your... Uh, you know, jacket cup core separation yeah. and, and end up with, you know, minimal penetration, things like that. So, you know, keeping them together, you get higher weight retention. If it performs the way you want it to and expansion diameter, then you've got, you know, better performance on game, depending on what you're hunting, because there's different bullets for different situations. But for this particular instance, you know, that was their goal was to keep the, the cup and the core together. Um, hence the name core locked. Gotcha. And what... When you say mechanically bonded, what does that mean? If you look at the picture here, 
Mm-hmm. You see how this jacket's thinner down here than this jacket here? Yes. Well, that means this lead is bigger. Okay. So that lead is wedged into the jacket, so it can't actually, you would have to shear off the lead for all this length or, or tear that jacket off for that core to leave. It's like you just put a So it's squeezed. pinched? Yes. Okay, gotcha. It's squeezed in there. So the lead's pinched into the cup. Does the pedaling, does that affect pedaling at all? Well, yes, in, in the original soft point, and, and even what we make to today, we have what I've always called a scallop jacket. Okay, and the way you make that scallop jacket is, you know, defined here, but the punch having the scallops cut into it. But that scallop, what it does is that that, that intersection there, that's a stress riser. Okay. So when that bullet hits something, soft tissue, whatever, then that lead deforms, and as that jacket starts opening it up, it's going to break here or shear here first before it, it, this will never break up here. It's thicker than that. That It's it's hard to see from the drawing, but there, there's a line that goes right down that jacket mm-hmm. from where that scallop meets the other scallop. And so it just peels back in a beautiful petal every time. Mm-hmm. So it's way more mechanical than it is chemical. It's all there is based no on, chemical. Okay, yeah. gotcha. It's all based off of the way it's shaped. Right. The only chemical is it would be a bonded bullet mm. where you solder basically the core to the jacket. Okay. And we make a we make bonded bullets yes, as we well. Do. Okay. And so what we Coreloct is a cup and core bullet. So what is the difference in performance between a cup and core and another bullet construction type? Well, there's a lot of different bullet construction types. I mean, you look at at, a, at a, just a lead bullet with no jacket. Mm-hmm. And then from there, if you go up and, and let's say toughness, you're going to have, let's put a jacket on the lead. So that's your conventional cup and core. Now, without mechanical features to control expansion, that bullet is just going to continue to open up and expand as it's going through, you know, an animal or, you know, gelatin, whatever you're shooting. And so as that gets bigger, your expansion diameter continues to get bigger. You're going to limit your penetration because now you've got a bigger surface area as you're going through. And uh, also, depending on the velocity, you can have weight loss. So that also contributes to the lack of penetration. So selecting a bullet that, uh, you know, whether you're going to go hunt prairie dogs or you're going to hunt antelope, deer, elk, or or bigger game, you're going to select a bullet that's going to perform, you know, how you want it for what you're shooting. Mm Mm-hmm. So you've got conventional cup and core bullets that don't have, uh, you know, mechanical characteristics to control expansion. You have tapered jackets in there, different anneals, things like that. You have bullets like core lock that have a mechanical feature that are going to keep the jacket and the core together. And then uh, there's going to be, you know, I mean, on the extreme end, you've got monolithic bullets, you know, bullets that are solid copper, uh, either for or solids that don't penetrate or ones that are hollow points so that they will open and have pedals and have some terminal performance. Um, most of your other metals are, are more expensive than lead. Mm. So, you know, that goes into uh, core locks are cheaper than typical cup or uh, monolithic bullets. Um, bonded bullets, you know, they are cup and core, but like Rick said a while ago, you're going to chemically bond 
the core to the jacket. So you've got to send that through another operations. There's labor involved, so they're more expensive. Um, and then also, too, you know, there's other bullets out there that have, you know, the bottom shank is, is a solid material where the nose is lead or vice versa, or there's partition walls and things. So there's quite a variety. I mean, we talked about those duplex um, cup and core bullets the other day. Can you explain that to me real quick? You're talking about the, like the, uh, the nozzle partition? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's basically, if you can envision a, a tube that's got a, a back end sealed off from the front end. So it's, it's like you've got a piece of brass that you put punches on each end. So you got hollow points on each end. Well, on the back end, you fill it up with lead to get the weight. And on the front, if you want lead, you can put it there, but there's other options. Uh, but what happens at that point, the front completely goes away. It opens up and tears off, but you retain 70% of your weight in the, the heel of it. So you get the penetration out of that and you get the energy transfer from the, the front of it mushing. So. Did those usually stay together as well as core lock do? It depends. You know, everything's designed differently. Uh, I mean, our core lock bullets, depending on the caliber, you know, they will have uh, similar penetration to, you know, other competitors' bullets that are, you know, titled as controlled expansion. You know, our core locks will mush about halfway back. Um, so, I mean, weight retention, you're probably talking 60 to 70, you know, 50 to 70%. Like I said, a lot of it depends on the velocity of the round you're shooting it in, if it's a 30 6 or a 300 wind mag. Uh, but you're going to have, you know, good weight retention. You're going to have good penetration, you know. And, and there's reasons for the core lock's design uh, and, and it's kind of, you know, why it's been so successful is because of the design. And, uh, you know, it's a great whitetail bullet, for example, uh, you know, thinner skin, the body size, you can shoot other things with them. But uh, the way that they perform, the way that they open up, the amount that they penetrate, it's not too tough. You know, I'm just going to blow a hole, you know, through them and not do a lot of damage. And yet on the other side, you know, it, the bullet's not going to explode and, and not penetrate to the vitals. And so uh, Corelox has done very, very well in that market. Mm -hmm. and, and the lead core that's in Corelox, is that pure lead in there? No, it's not pure lead. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, you know, other things that you can put in them to make it harder. So that's one of the things that, you know, that we do, uh, you know, like antimony, for example, is going to make the make it, make it harder. And so, you know, we have specific antimony contents that we use in various bullets, <clears throat> but that's going to be a variable that, that you can use to optimize the design and the terminal performance uh, for, you know, what the goal is. Mm -hmm. it, that's more probably applicable to pistol bullets. If you've got a, a slow pistol bullet that doesn't have as much energy, then you'll use a softer lead. It, it mushes easier. And then if you've got a real high velocity, high energy round, you may go up to you know the hardest lead we use. So it's, it's, you're, you're trying to use up the lead, I mean, use up the energy before you tear the jacket to pieces. So it, it's all around design and test and, and trial. Yeah, which is, you know, I mean, Rick knows as well as anybody, uh, when you're designing a bullet, 
you know, there's a lot of tests that are conducted, you know, not only from an accuracy and, and things like that, but the terminal performance side of it, uh, going out and actually shooting ballistics gelatin or simulating uh, and having bone in ballistics gelatin and then recovering bullets and measuring the penetration depth and, and pulling the bullets out and measuring your expansion diameters, your weight retention, and then, the, the you know, there's variables that you can uh, tweak, you know, change in order to change that terminal performance. Softer lead opens quicker, harder lead doesn't, you know, it's slower. So depending on the your initial velocity of the cartridge that you're using, we can optimize it to get, uh, you know, a particular specification of the performance that we're looking for. And that, and composition, it all goes back to that. So if you, if you use like, let's say like tin or a copper bullet, it, it will affect everything. Like it'll affect weight retention. It'll affect the upset. It'll affect everything. It, yep. It's all different. Okay. Terminal Ballistics focuses on the way a bullet reacts downrange when it makes contact with a target and transfers energy. This is important in many scenarios. Personal defense, hunting, and target shooting all require a certain level of performance in this area. Bullet construction plays a key role in determining this performance, but what are the other factors? We discuss cartridge case composition. Everything that goes into a cartridge affects its performance. We said that already. So what about the case as opposed to the bullet? Does the, Other than the shape, does the composition of the case matter as well? What it's made out of? As far as what terminal performance it will give you, mm-hmm. by and large, each case material, and, and I'm thinking now of, you know, brass, steel, plastic, mm-hmm. there are pluses and minuses. Brass is probably overall the best general purpose because it, it it's easy to form from strip. Uh, you can put it in, you know, in a very short period of time, we can make any kind of case you want, any shape. Uh, steel still has the issues around corrosion, mm-hmm. around hard extractions coming out of the chamber. Plastic, they still haven't figured out all the... the knobs to get that thing to stay together to build enough pressure as you're shooting that thing and then but its advantage was back when the military was looking at that you know we could cut I don't know 15-20% of the weight out of a cartridge by going to plastic yeah there's probably some cost savings too oh absolutely you were injection molding those yeah so and I think they've come a little bit of ways I haven't uh, kept up with the latest and greatest in in uh those case materials, but I think that there's actually some stuff out there for sale today. For with plastic case. Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. And I know that don't the Russians use steel for like their military? I, cartridges? I don't know if it's a hundred percent, but typically for us the stuff that we see for consumers that's imported is usually steel cased ammo, yeah. And so, then I want to know a little bit about nickel plated casings. I have I have no idea why we do that other than the fact that it looks really cool. Well, I mean, that's you, it. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> is that the only reason? That's really Are you carrying a leather bandolier? <laughs> I mean, they look nice. They look nice in photos. They look nice in, I mean, they look pretty Western, you know, but I feel like all the top tier ammunition in the store right now, it's like we're nickel plated. We're the best. So I just wanted to know if that affected performance at all. 
I'm not 100% where nickel originated or, you know, from a, from a Remington standpoint, but uh, I could speculate, you know, corrosion, you know, like Chris said, you know, carrying ammunition in leather, you know, whether it's some type of a cowboy Western rig with cartridges around it or, I mean, professional hunters in Africa. And I mean, even whenever I was over there, put ammunition in leather holders, you know, now I wasn't out there all summer long with that ammunition in the same holder, but PHs do that. And so, you know, you do that with, with just regular brass case, you know, non-nickel plated and it's going to turn green. It's going to get nasty, things like that. And so the nickel doesn't do that. Okay. So it's it's all about corrosion then the nickel plate. Well, not all of it. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, it's a uh, you know a visual uh, criteria that people like. You know, you said it looks better. You like nickel. Um, does there some of that too? But it doesn't. It's not doesn't retain any of the velocity or anything. It doesn't affect it performance. It has nothing nope. to do with the bullet to... performance. No. no. Okay. It just makes it harder to load. <laughs> <laughs> the reloading capabilities of nickel aren't very good either. No. You don't see reloaders. Not sure. often. It's, it's harder to process through your dies and things like that. Um, I mean, but like you said, it doesn't change the, the terminal performance, doesn't change the velocity or anything like that. Uh, it's just one of those characteristics that uh, when we're specking out ammunition and looking at the, the big picture here, you know, do we want nickel? Do we not want nickel? How's it going to be used? What product line does it fall in? Uh, I mean, most of, if not all of our premium handgun defense ammunition like golden sabers all nickel plated mm. um you know they may be carried could be carried in leather you know in magazines for a long time handling those cases things like that so reliability and function uh is important and that was a, a big marketing push at the time the, the the nickel plate functions smoother and extracts easier and i don't know that they had any actual raw data to show that that was true but it sounded good and it made a good story Mm -hmm. looks very law enforcement yeah absolutely so i mean lone ranger and all (laughs) (laughs) now we know that every part of the cartridge plays a role in performance let's find out how corelocked cartridges are made here at the factory in lone oak arkansas ricky buckmaster gives us a tour So I, I also wanted to see, I know that this is going to be difficult without having some kind of visual reference, but I did want to get a walkthrough of how exactly we make core locked bullets. From one side of the factory to the other, we take in raw material and at the other side we end up with a finished product in a case. And that's okay. But I just want to know, you know, how do we, how do we get from the raw material to the, the bullet being completed okay there are two parts to our bullet you have the jacket you have the core Mm -hmm. two separate uh operations in the beginning uh the jacket starts off as strip it's just metal that you take a blank and you make a blank out of it and if, if you looked at the blank before it was formed it just looks like a circle and then you've run that down through a die with a punch and it comes out looking like a cup. We call it a cup. That cup is then annealed and run through subsequent draws with punches and dies until it is in the shape and the dimensions that we want it for the specific bullet we're making. So that gets ready to go into bullet assembly. You need a lead core now. 
Uh, and depending on what you're making, uh, the lead core comes in, starts off as pigs or billets. Mm -hmm. They melt them. They extrude out wire. That wire goes to machines that chop it. And, and in some instances, if you're making a lead bullet, you just chop the wire and they feed it on the switch size and groove machines, finish the bullet out. If you're making a jacketed bullet, then you need to chop that wire, feed it into a die, and swedge it to a specific weight. Pretty close. The, the tolerance is very, very tight on that because you're going to take that and put it in a jacket that has a very close tolerance so that your finished bullet is within half a grain. So you don't have a lot of latitude for, for uh, variation in, in cores and jackets. But the, you take the core, you take the jacket, you... Uh, feed the, the core into the jacket, and you hammer them together, if you will. That's what we call core seating. That locks those two together. And, and in the case of, you know, if you've got a core lock feature in there, it swedges that lid out into there. So it locks everything together, and then it goes through subsequent dies, however many you need, to put the final shape, the nose cuts, whatever characteristics you're putting on the on the finished bullet. If it's a hollow point, you'll have a punch that forms that hollow point. And when it comes out of there, if it needs to be cantilevered, that's done separately. And then you go through the, the washes and you have a finished bullet. That was good. <laughs> we talked about how this would be hard. <laughs> to explain without without like walking you through the factory and stuff but well you've been through the factory so you can that's true remington ammunition has been manufactured in lone oak since 1969 and core locked was first documented being made in 1939 the recipe hasn't changed much since then and i want to know why these cartridges have withstood the test of time and become the lifeblood of remington So going back to the, the history of Corlocked and why it's such a great bullet. So it, I mean, Remington's the oldest gun manufacturer in the United States, but we've been making Corlocked since, I mean, it's been in a catalog since 1939. Why do you think, and it's still one of our best sellers, why do you think it's withstood the test of time? There's probably not just one reason. Well, I think there's two biggest things. It works, okay? And it's not expensive. I mean, I don't know what we charge for different ones, but Corelock is not the most expensive bullet we sell. But it does work. They're not accurate like you would think of match bullets, okay? They don't have to be. For the guy hunting whitetail... Especially less than 500 yards. And some of them, I mean, everybody's got a rifle that's different and whatnot. I've, sure. You know, I've personally hand-loaded and shot some core locks back when I used to have a 300 Weatherby. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, they were just tire oh, drivers. Yeah, tire they drive. would just stack them. So uh, they, they are accurate day in, day out. Maybe not like a, an OTM well, type match, but they, you know, they're, they're not shotgun pattern. You know? No, but for, the, for, but for the 90% the of the people out there hunting whitetails, yeah. more than adequate. They're, they're more accurate than the people shooting them. So they got good terminal performance. They got good they, terminal they, they performance. They kill very well. You know, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people here at the plant, you know, in Arkansas that deer hunt with core locked, and uh, they're used to a, um, 
a type of reaction from the animal that, you know, you kind of call it bang flop. You know, when they hit them, the deer, you know, they either hit the ground right there or they maybe maybe go 10 yards and they pile up. Uh, and so they're very effective uh, in the terminal performance on game. Cost, you know, they're, they're not the most expensive rounds no. out there, so they're affordable to buy. Uh, and not only that, people can hit what they're shooting with them because they do shoot good. Yep. And with with that age, there's trust. So, you know, people in the south and the east or wherever they're hunting, they're going to rely oftentimes on what relatives, fathers, grandfathers may have used. And this product's been around quite a long time. So they've seen it used and it's ingrained into them. Well, that's what he used. So that's what I'm going to use. And that's what they buy for their kids. So it's a generational product it's not it's not a new bullet as we as we've talked about but it's it's um, it's been used over time and it will continue to be so it's been a good seller obviously it's every man's cartridge basically and woman and yeah. woman <laughs> everybody's cartridge everybody there you go. <laughs> i mean i see guys out in, in out west like in colorado shooting elk with core locked bullets so I know that, like, they're not meant for long range technically because they're not like a premier match or a, well, a core lock it, tip. It, it's but. not a six point five. Let me shoot a thousand yards off type right. thing. Well, and lots of people don't realize too just that the terminal performance window that bullets expand to. Exactly. You know, bullet was designed in thirty nine. It wasn't designed. It was shooting thousand yards and having to have terminal expansion. Mm -hmm. and, and you, we've talked about whitetails. Uh, and even if you look into the old catalogs that we have from the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, there are pictures of guys using these on lions, oh, moose, sure. yep. you know, everything, and we'll bear, get, bear, bear, everything. And we'll we'll get calls every year during hunting season. Hey, I've got a core lock. I'm shooting a 300 Win Mag or whatever caliber, rig caliber. Can I use this on a moose? Can I use this on? you know, a caribou. Well, absolutely. You know, it's not a quote deer caliber. That's just where a lot of it's used in, you know, the lower 48, but it's, it's taking game all over the world. Mm -hmm. It's a lot about the hunter too, yeah. obviously, but, uh, yeah, I think it's really a good all around cartridge. I don't, um, I grew up shooting core locked. Like we said, my dad grew up shooting core locked. His dad grew up shooting core locked. And I think it's amazing that this one product has lasted this long. And it's going to continue. It's, they're like, there's no end in sight. I mean, even now we have, you know, core lock tipped. Mm -hmm. We have core locked copper. Um, to keep this going, obviously, we're always going to have the, I don't want to say generic, the classic core locked uh, bullet. But, you know, are we going to come out with anything new? Are we going to modernize core locked at all? Well, you mentioned some of those additions you know core lock tipped was something that's some would say was long overdue even though we had a tipped bullet going back 75 years ago with a bronze point you know that was really the first tip bullet in the industry but no one really called it that um, and we kind of faded away from that over the years but now we have a polymer tipped bullet um, still same cup and core design have we changed the bullet drastically no now you've just added a feature to increase accuracy and and it's a a feature that a lot of the market wants now you know they want a polymer tip bullet they 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 see inherent added value 
with that feature. So we were behind and not having it. So we, we needed to have that out there. So in talking in the future, we're getting away from, from core locks, but there are other ideas we're, we're going for in the future to, to meet some other uh, potential, no, I wouldn't call them gaps, but opportunities um, uh, for, for different bullet styles. So more to come. I mean, 360 Buckhammer is a core locked bullet. Right. And that goes back to the old original design, you know, soft point, tubular magazine. Scallop uh, jackets. Scallop jackets. You know, know, so we're reverting to the original core lock Mm -hmm. design at that point. You know, Rick was from the forefront on that one as far as the design and what we're using. So it's, this will be the true first hunting season with that. Uh, bullet and you know demand is through the roof on the sales side it's just a matter of us getting it out there which we're doing we've already you know had production runs so uh, getting the guns out there getting the bullets out there loaded rounds out there and we'll we'll uh, be hearing how it goes all throughout the season mm-hmm. there you have it guys remington is on the rise Like, comment, subscribe, and be sure to share this podcast with your hunting or shooting buddies. Be on the lookout for the next episode. You can find us anywhere you can stream podcasts. And for more Remington content, follow us on all social media platforms at Remington1816. If you have any questions or have a topic you'd like us to talk about, feel free to email us at podcast at remington.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at remington.com. Thanks for listening.